Welcome to the ALSC Podcast. Here at ALSC, we seek the lost, teach the found, and send the disciples. We truly hope you are encouraged by this week's message. It says this in Hebrews 11, 1, 1 to 2. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. All these people were still leaving. We'll talk about these people today. We're still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been looking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Let's pray this afternoon. Lord, we thank you, God, for your word today. Uh, None of us came here, Lord, to hear the opinions of man, the philosophies of man, or the doctrines of man. Today, Lord, we came to hear from you. As we open up the pages of scripture today, may your word go forth. May you radically, radically transform our lives today, Lord. And where you, may you meet us where we are at. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated on your way down. Maybe look at someone and welcome them in church. Say, you look good in church today. And then finish it off and say, sitting next to me. You got to have some confidence today. You may not feel like you look good. You may not even look like you look good. But if you got enough confidence, it'll really change the way you step when you walk out of this place. That's what we're going to talk about today, what it looks like to have faith, uh, faith and confidence, faith in God, and how that can build up our walk with God. And it's my goal today that as we read the scriptures and they begin to jump out the pages of today, that every person would walk out of here. If you're a woman, it's my prayer that you walk out of here and you say, I'm committed to be at the end of my life a mother of the faith. If you're a man in this place, my prayer is that when you leave this place, you say, I'm committed to be a man of faith. And so ladies, if you're in here, why don't you repeat after me, I am a woman of faith. faith. Men, if you're in here, why don't you say, I'm a man of faith. faith. Well, that's some baritone in that. Sounded like some of y'all men were at Quake Stadium yesterday with us. We got to hang out. 500 men showed up to Quake Stadium. We had blast together, we showed up and showed out. And we let our light shine. Some of the Quake staff came and told me, they said, number one, your men are some of the kindest men that we've ever hosted before. They were truly kind, truly generous with all of us. And they said, second of all, we've never had a group show up on time like this ever before. They said, thank you for showing up on time. My response was, well, we didn't have the women's ministry joining us today. And so, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. My wife knows she's late to everything. So, okay. But let's be honest, you know, you know you're making us late whenever we try to go places. We try, try to get there on time, you know. But uh, so glad you guys joined us. Um, I'm excited to jump in the Word today. Today we're going to be talking about something. We're going to be talking about what it looks like to have a full-filled faith life. A full-filled faith life. And Lord willing, at the end of it, we'll see that we can live a fulfilled faith. A fulfilled faith. And so we're going to jump in. And so if you're a note taker, I'm going to give you the notes on the front end so that you can really lean in to what we're talking about today. So today we're going to be talking about what it means to be full of confidence, filled with calling, 
and faith for eternity. Full of confidence, filled with calling, faith for eternity. Hebrews 11.1 1 is known as the great faith chapter. It's the faith chapter that goes and reflects and looks at all of our foremothers and forefathers, many of them in the Old Testament, who stuck true to their walk with God. Regardless of circumstance, regardless of surrounding, these mothers of the faith and fathers of the faith stayed true. And so I encourage you after we leave today, uh, feel free to continue to read all of the uh, chapter of Hebrews 11 because it will encourage your faith in God. Uh, we're going to talk, if you're taking notes, we're going to jump right into what it looks like to be full of confidence, full of confidence. Um, the world has a level of confidence. In the world system, you're told to be confident in yourself, confident in your accolades, confident in your degree, confident, confident having yourself put together. But God has a different way that he wants to drive confidence in your life. And I'll give you a little key. It's definitely not in yourself. It's definitely not in myself. And so if we want to walk out of here today with our faith filled up, what happens is we got to see that first, we got to fill ourselves with confidence. What type of confidence? Hebrews 11, 1 tells us. Many of us know this first. And if you are marking up your Bible at all or taking notes, there's some things I want you to underline. It says this, now faith, begin to get an answer of what faith is. People often have the question, what does it mean to have faith? What does it look like? Christians are known as people of faith. There's a reason why, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Now faith is, firstly, the confidence your translations may something like assurance or something else in this particular uh, place. But faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for, that by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So immediately we start to get a breakdown and a sharing of what it means to have confidence in what you do not see. If you see something, we have a saying, which is, see is seeing is believing. Well, that's not faith then at that point. Because if you begin to see it, that's a different type of reality. Uh, Moses said that. Moses was trying to have faith in Yahweh when Yahweh came in the burning bush. And Moses said, could I see you first before I take the next step? And then Moses said, if you take off your sandals, I'll show you the back of me. I'll give you a little peek. But other than that, I'm going to need you to take your next steps out of faith. Because if I show you it all, I might as well do it all myself. So I'm going to need you to hold on faith to me and be confident in what you cannot see. A lot of times we're trying to hold confidence based off of what we do see. There's a saying that says, oh, if you, if you dress good and you look good, then you'll feel good. But reality is, is that's not always the case. You may dress really nice and have a ketchup stain on your tie. You may be looking really good and have some spinach on your teeth. I want you to imagine, if you will, if you were me, if I was up here right now and I was able to look at the screen and maybe I had something in my teeth or I had something on my face, I would have to make a very quick decision. I can either cause attention to it, completely derail the moment, grab a napkin, try to wipe my face off or do whatever else, and then now everyone's starting to wonder, I wonder what he was eating before service. Uh, I, wonder what, I wonder what marker he had that rubbed. Now all of a sudden everybody's derailed. And the moment I see you derailed, 
I will start to lose my confidence in what's going on. And so a lot of times, or I can make a decision that, okay, I'm going to continue to press through even though I see that I'm losing people. Uh, one time a girl told me that she was dating a guy, and she said that he was an atheist. She was coming to church. Uh, church had totally changed her life. She gave her life to Jesus, and she says, but the guy I started dating is an atheist. And so uh, basically he's going to come to church with me next Sunday, and he wants to check this thing out. And uh, he's actually trying, I'm trying to... I'm trying to help him see the Lord, and he's trying to help me to drive me away from church. He doesn't think it's beneficial for me. And so she says, so I just want to give you a heads up that he's coming to service. Well, they sit on the second row right there, and I see this young man. Uh, he looks like an atheist in all regards. And so, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So, um, so he's sitting in the second row, and, and the whole time that I'm preaching and teaching, he, he's literally doing this. He's looking at her, he's, la he's cock-cracking jokes to her. She's trying to be polite, but she's laughing, and he's looking at me. When I make eye contact with him, he's like this, like, Shh. I mean, he's literally, like, the dude's trying to throw me off, right? And so in that moment, I had a decision to make. Either in this moment, I'm going to have confidence in my own abilities, or I can have confidence that God has called me to this, and that the Spirit of God is in me, and then as God has called me to this, then I'm not going to have confidence in myself in this moment. I'm going to have confidence in God in this moment, and as much as He tried to embarrass me, as much as He tried to deter me, in the moments in between my sermon and my points, I would say, Lord, I pray for that young man. I pray you penetrate his heart. I pray he, become, he goes from a scoffer to somebody that knows you, loves you, and serves you. God, I pray he goes from an atheist to someone that knows you better than anyone else, God. Because in his pain, he's trying to derail some other people. He's trying to pull her off course. He's trying to pull me off course. And that's what the enemy will do for your faith. He'd go like this. He'd give you a thumbs down. He'll tell you, you know, good. You can't do this. That's what he tried to do with the mothers and fathers of faith. And you have a decision to make in faith in what you cannot see. Am I going to be confident in God that God has called me, that God has given me this life? Or am I going to try to be confident in myself? Because confidence in myself means I will fall apart the moment I start to realize I can't do this. This is impossible. It's not able to happen. And so confidence in faith is in the things that you cannot see where you trust God in all circumstances. That's what faith is. The moment you start to see it, that will actually build your trust in God. But building your faith means you continue to walk on water like Peter did. It means you continue to say yes to God when things look impossible. And, and I'll tell you this, if you don't have enough faith for today, be inspired by other people's faith. Let someone else's faith inspire you today if you don't have any. Look to someone on the left and right of you if you don't know how you're going to make it. There are some people in this church and people of faith who have seen God faithful in their lives that you can borrow some faith from until you find a place to find some faith. Sometimes you got to borrow some faith before your faith becomes your own. I've done it many times before. There, there, there's times in this church that I, I've thought to myself, man, man I, 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 wonder if any, I wonder if any guys are going to show up to the Quakes game at all. What if, no, what if no one comes? Oh, I wonder if any ladies are going to come to the women's night on Friday. What if no one comes? 
Man, I wonder if any young adults are going to come to our young adult night. Man, what if no one comes? I, I wonder if anyone's going to come to church tomorrow. I wonder, what if no one comes? I, I, I wonder if I wake up and my, and my wife just doesn't love me anymore. Well, what, what, what if that day comes? You, you live by these fears and you live by these insecurities. But oftentimes in my position as pastor in the church, I'm often reflected and I remember a day 29 years ago. Some of you guys may or may not know this story. 29 years ago, Abundant Living Family Church had just started by Pastor Diego, our founding pastor. I was just a kid back then. What Pastor Diego did is from the very beginning, he believed that our church should have midweek Bible studies on Wednesday night at 7. The only issue was is Pastor Diego could have Saturday and Sunday off to have church, but he had to work two jobs in order to start this church. So he'd work one job in the morning, and he'd work another job at night. And what he would do is at his first job, he, on Wednesdays, he would skip his lunch break. And in his evening job, he would ask his job to skip his lunch break. So he would ask his first job, can I leave an hour early? He asked his second job, can I show up an hour late? Just so he could do a midweek Bible study for people. Well, one night, he was holding a midweek Bible study. Church was only a few months old at this time at Shadow Hills Elementary over in South Ridge, Fontana. And he comes, he loads his truck up, he puts speakers in the truck, chairs in the truck, everything that's needed to put on a sermon, a podium. He would sit during his uh, early mornings and late afternoons, he would study a message for that night, he'd prepare the word, he would mark up his Bible, mark up his notes, and this particular Wednesday, he shows up to the school, he unloads everything, the tables, the chairs, everything that's needed. Church is early on, so back then, you didn't have church planning movements, you didn't get money financed to start a church or anything like that, it was bare bones, you're on your own. And so he goes and he sets up for church, and service is starting at 7 o'clock, just like it still does to this day at our midweek service. And it's 7 o'clock and no one's in the chair yet. Now it's 7.30 and no one's still at service yet. Then it's 8 o'clock and nobody has still come to church yet. Next thing you know, it's 8.20 and no one has come to church yet. Pastor Diego starts packing things up, puts the speakers away puts the chairs away. No one came to service. As he gets in his car to start to pull out, a man turns into the driveway and he rushes up and he says, excuse me, sir, a friend told me that I, there's going to be church tonight. Am I too late? Did I miss service? Pastor Diego, who was extremely discouraged, extremely heartbroken, he looks up at the man while he's sitting in the car and he says, sir, you are right on time. And what he begins to do... As he gets out of the truck, he opens the bed of the truck and Pastor Diego stands on it and he has the man, he pulls out one of the chairs that was for service and there in the parking lot, the man sits in a chair right in front of him. Pastor Diego sits on the top of the truck and he says he preaches one of the best messages he had ever preached in his life to an audience of one. To an audience of one. Just full of confidence. Not confidence in himself, not confidence in his own accomplishments, confidence in the Spirit of God that has called him to it. And if the Lord has called you to it, then he will bring you through it. And that's what God began to show Pastor Diego. Here's the thing, that may not inspire you because you may not be a pastor, but I'll tell you this, you and I, if he gave up that day, we would not be in these seats today. There would be no Abundant Living Family Church. There would be no 10900 Civic Center Drive. There would be no one in the courtyard sitting right now. There 
there'd be no one in the cafe. There'd be no one in the city of Pomona receiving the word. There would be no generosity center two blocks away where we feed thousands of people every single week. There would be no ministry to police and sheriffs if there was none of this. If there was none of this, there'd be no discipleship, no neighborhood groups, no nothing in this area, in this church. If one, one forefather of our faith deciding that no one was showing up was enough to quit. We're a product of one person who said, the fact that something went wrong today and no one showed up is not enough for me to quit because God has given me faith-filled confidence that he's given me a word. And I'll tell you what, as I've looked at his life, if you will be faithful with the one, then God will give you the thousands. Because the size of Abundant Living Family Church, it's not a marketing scheme. It's not innovative systems. It's the faithfulness of a few who said that God has called us to one, God will multiply it. God will fruitful it. So you may say, well, I, I don't have a church. Well, if, God, if you be faithful to one spouse, if you be faithful to your children, one children, if you be faithful to one job, if you be faithful with one dollar, if you be faithful, then God can multiply it. God's not going to multiply it with more wives, fellas. <laughs> He's going to multiply it with more joy and more peace in that relationship. Because if we can be faithful with the one, then God can be faithful when he gives us the fruit of it. What happens when you don't see it? What happens when it's not standing right in front of you? We live in an era where it says only trust the things that stand in front of you. But where does that get us? Faith is faith in God that he's in it and he's looking for us to trust him no matter the circumstance. No matter the surroundings, our call is a call to say yes. R.C. Sproul says it like this. This is what R.C. Sproul says. He says, it's one thing to believe in God. It's quite another to believe God. It's one thing to believe God. It's quite another thing to believe in God. That's what faith can begin to do and a confidence in faith to know that God has been faithful in other people's lives. And what the writer of Hebrews begins to do is he begins to give you proofs through the faith of our foremothers and our forefathers. Because what he's trying to do is he's trying to build your faith up with other people's stories. And if you can hear testimonies of God's goodness, then you can begin to see that God is faithful even in what you cannot see. And so the second thing that the scriptures teach us is we need to be filled with calling. Every forefather and foremother had a purpose. There's a calling to them. They knew that they weren't going to just live this life to just pass away. They knew they were going to pass something on. They knew they were going to do something in the name of God. They knew that they were going to break through some things. That, that's what they knew, and so they were filled with a calling. And so God has purpose in every side of every single person in this room, every person that's watching online. God has purpose for our life, and he has called you. And it's his desire to fill up your purpose and give you fullness in your calling. So look at this verses right here as we begin to read. It says this. Here's some um, fathers of the faith and mothers of the faith. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith. Why was it by faith? Well, because what God told them was, you're to give me your best. If you can trust me with your best, then I can multiply what you have. And what Abel did is Abel gave God his best. He made an offering of his best crops, of his best food. And then what Cain did was Cain gave God his scraps. 
And so Cain's gift was not a gift of faith. It was a gift of belief. God, I believe in you. I fear you. But I do not trust you with my resources. I do not trust you with my hands. I do not trust you with my life. So therefore, whatever I build on my own, I'll give you a little crumb at the end of it. But Abel didn't do that. So why do we look up to Abel now as a forefather? It says, by faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. There are thousands of years later, we still speak of Abel's trust in God. His testimony still lives in the scriptures today. And so he is still being spoken about. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. Uh, Yahweh loved Enoch so much that Enoch would go into caves and he would spend time with God and he would seek God and he would pray and he would worship. And, and God was like, man, I like this kid Enoch so much that I, I don't even want him to die. I just want to take him up to heaven right now so that I can hang out with him. I like that guy Enoch. All he does is think about me. All he does is talk about me. All he does is pursue me. I don't even want to wait till he dies. Bring him up to heaven right now. And he snatched Enoch up. And then what happens is it says he could not be found because God had taken him away. What I imagine is one day they were probably celebrating somebody's quinceanera. And so as they were celebrating the quinceanera, they were like, oh, we got to go get Enoch. Enoch needs to come and visit this quinceanera. And so they go to Enoch's house and the porridge is still hot and the bed is still made and the fire's coal's still burning. And they're thinking, where did Enoch go? And God's going, I liked Enoch so much, I just brought him up with me. You, you guys don't deserve this man right here. I want him to hang out with me and all of my angels. You see, that's what the faithfulness of Enoch looked like, is, is regardless of his circumstances, he was hungry for God. God loved his faith so much that he brought him to heaven and he never saw death. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And then without faith is it impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. What a lot of people may not know is in Noah's day, it had never rained before. The, the earth was once covered by a firmament of water. And so what happened was, is the flood was an encasing where God broke that firmament and flooded the earth. And so uh, Noah and anyone else had ever heard of rain or ever heard of a flood. So not only did Noah have to trust God with this ark, he had to trust God with something he had never even heard of before. That's what faith looks like. There, there may be things that God calls you to that you never even heard of it. You don't even know of it. You don't even know how it's going to see through. You don't even know how it's going to happen. But you know, God, I know you gave this to me. I know you spoke this to me. And so instead of questioning, instead of doubting, I'm going to build this ark, this ark of my life to trust you, God. That you're going to take this where it needs to go. People scoffed Noah, not because he believed a flood was coming, but because he believed something that didn't even exist was going to come. That's the depiction of faith. 
trusting God in something that you have no concept to wrap your head around yet, but you know that God has given it to you. He reveals it to us in his word. He reveals it to us in our time spent with him. And so by faith, he was condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, that is in keeping the faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go out to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. I don't know about you. There's times I have no idea where I'm going. God, where are we going? What are we doing, Lord? And he, and like Abraham, he's like, he told Abraham, you got to leave your home. You got to leave your family. All you can take is your kids, your wife, and some animals. And, and you got to go. And I'm going to take you to a place where you're going to be able to expand your reach and build into the next generation. Abraham said, okay, Lord. Didn't mean it was easy. A lot of things Abraham did wrong, but he trusted the Lord through it. So by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations. I love this part coming up next. Whose architect and builder is God. The greatest architect and builder for your life is God. He's got better plants. He's got better blueprints. He's got better schematics. He's got better insight. He's got better direction. He's got more favor with anyone you could ever meet. There are times at our church we got to get things approved at the city. First thing we say is, who do we know over there? Because if you ever worked with city planning before, good luck if you're a stranger. Good luck. We say, who do we know? That's what life looks like. Oh, Lord, I think there's some plans. Who do I know? Well, I know I know God. <laughs> Man, I know I got the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in my life. So I know the architect. I know the builder. Okay? So all the other resources are, will come in because I know the architect and the builder. And they'll know how to piece those things together. It's a faith and trust in God even when you don't even see what has been built. Even though you can't perceive it. That's why Isaiah talks about, do you not see it? Do you not perceive it? God is doing a new thing, says the Lord. See, that's an idea that you can't perceive it, you can't see it, but God can do a new thing. That's a trust in God. That's what Abraham had. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise, made the promise. This is what it looks like. And so from this one man, he was as good as dead, came the descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless on, as the sand and on the seashore. You see, many times in cases like this, as we see, you know, a lot of times we conceptually think to ourselves, if you ever meet an atheist or someone who doesn't believe in God, you may think to yourself, how do they not believe in a creator? How do they not believe in God? And I talk to people all the time, like, I got this friend that's an atheist, and I, I, just, I just can't believe they're an atheist. Well, you know there's a type of Christian who's a little bit more crazy than an atheist? I saw a quote about that. There are Christians who are crazier than an atheist. It's this Christian. An atheist believes there's no God, but a faithless Christian believes in God, but believes he isn't there. I don't know what's worse. I, I, I went and Googled trying to find out who said this quote because it's powerful. And then I found out it's a guy named Pastor Adam Mesa who once said that. You see, <laughs> you see, there is a person who's an atheist who believes there's no God. There's no one up there. A faithless Christian believes there's someone up there. He just has no involvement in this. I believe in Jesus. I just don't believe Jesus can do something right now. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I just believe the Holy Spirit can't move in my situation. I, I believe in God. I just don't think he can be involved in my marriage. I believe in God. I just don't believe he can be in my finances. 
I, I believe in God. I don't think he could be involved in my life and my home and, and my budget and everything that I think I'm trying to control with my own hands. And so, therefore, there are people who say, Pastor, I'm coming to church. I went to growth track. I did this. I did that. There is no system in the world that the church can put in place for you that if you do not have faith, it cannot make that up. And so... A pursuit in God to fix things in your circumstance is not a matter of checking boxes. It's a matter of where is your heart and how are you being transformed in your mind. Because you can still come to church and still grip everything tightly. You can still hold everything intently. And so you're here and you're saying, God, if you want to do something with it, you're going to have to pry it out of my cold hands. And then God gets the one to blame when there's no peace, when there's no blessing, when there's no favor in that area. And like we even seen with the forefathers, is they are doing this and building this for the next generation. It's, these are all gener a lot of these are generational promises that God begins to fulfill. And many of us are the start of something in your generation. You are the beginning point in your generation in some regards. And so what happens is faith begins to enable us to trust God in difficult circumstances. There, there was a time during COVID, about 2020, and so you may be newer in our church and you may not know that, but let me share with you something that happened during COVID. We were about, we were about three weeks into quarantine, and it just so happened that um, someone, we, we don't know how it happened, we don't think it was a particular person, but somehow a virus got attached to our domain, AbundantFamily.org. And so we had a domain where you could visit us. It's one we had for over 10 years. It was AbundantFamily.org. And so what happened was a virus got attached to that domain. And so uh, overnight one night, uh, pornographic material started showing up on our website. Uh, inappropriate music started showing up on our website. And it'd be like, you go to our website, and then it would just switch to all this inappropriate stuff. And so we start kind of freaking out. So we talked to an IT company, and they said, here's the thing. We've looked into it. We can, uh, there's two things. The, the virus is attached to the current website. So if we navigate that somewhere else, the virus is going to chase it. It's also attached to your domain. So we could build a new website, and it's still going to chase that domain, and it's going to happen all over again. So we're like, well, what's the fix? They said, you got to get a whole new domain, a whole new website. This is three weeks into COVID. Everybody's online. Right now, at this point, we don't got no website. We don't got no way people could come in on our website to jump online. We are freaking out. We're like, we got to fix this. So just so happens there was a company that owned something that known as domain squatting. So people buy domains and they try to resell them back to companies or churches or whatever that is. And so someone owned ALFC.church. So we reached out to them and said, hey, we'll only give it to you if you become a client of ours for 12 months. We, we, we like beggars can't be choosers. We said, okay, that's fine. So we make this little dummy website. Some of you guys may remember it. It was this dummy website that we had for over a year and all it said was home, about, give, and watch online. So four buttons. That was it. Home, give, about, watch online. And people would come and tell us, like, your website sucks. And I'd be like, yeah, I know. You ain't telling me nothing. I don't know. And so <laughs> I'm a, new people would come and be like, man, this church is so cool. It's so modern. You reach young people. Well, what's up with your website? It's like from 1980. I'm like, I know. I know it is. So we build this thing all while the company is working on a whole new website for us, a whole new website for us. And so what happens is, is we get to that year and we're about to go live on the new website. We're excited and we got a new domain. It's alfc.church. We're so excited, blah, 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 all these things like that. We started moving staff emails to all that stuff and everything like that. And then the company hits us back and they say, they say, hey, 
Website's ready to go live. We're ready to transfer you the domain, everything like that. That'll just cost $160,000. We said, I'm sorry, what? We got this contract. It's like, it definitely wasn't costing anywhere near that. What's going on? They said, if you don't pay it by tomorrow, we will shut everything down. We said, you're bluffing. You're bluffing. So the next day, we didn't pay it. They shut everything down. Everything. They shut our current website down, the dummy one. They shut down all of our domains. None of our staff could email for weeks. They shut it. They shut our website down. They took all of our domains from us. Everything we stripped because they were our domain managers. They stripped it all until they said, until we pay that bill. Which, we again, we didn't owe it. This was a new bill out of nowhere. And so we said, this is robbery. We have no website. We have no way for people to give. We have no way for people to find us. We have no way for people to get directions. We have no way for anyone to email us or contact us. And then guess what? Over the course of this season, uh, it, but in this moment, I called Pastor Diego. So you remember that Mexican gray-haired guy I talked about in the last story. I called Pastor Diego. I'm like, I'm scared because I'm like, he going to kill me. We got nothing. We got no website, no nothing. So I'm like, I'm like hey, Dad, just want to give you a heads up. Team had nothing to do with it. You know, we crossed our T's, dotted our I's. This company just stole everything from us. We have no access to this, no access to that, blah, 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 blah. He said, because he was on vacation at this time too, and he said, okay, so uh, are, are the church doors still open? I, I said, yes, they are. He said, we still got a YouTube page? I said, yes, we still got a YouTube page. He said, call me when there's an emergency. And he hung up. <laughs> I left. I had some leaders in the room. I looked at them and I was like, hey, I guess, we got, I guess we got nothing to worry about. I guess because I'm living off of borrowed faith right now. I'm living off of someone else. Man, to him, he's like, listen, I've been in the room when not one person showed up to church. We still got our church doors. We still got some things people can connect with us. He's like, I'm not worried about that. So you, sometimes you got to borrow someone else's faith and know that if God has called you to it, he will get you through it. Know that God will give you what you need when you need it. Know that God is faithful above all things. God is gracious above all things. God is merciful above all things. God is joyful above all things. Where you can't see it, God's in the middle of it. Where you can't taste it, God's doing something new. You just got to trust God. God is in it. You may not be able to see it. You may not be able to perceive it. But God is there. Don't walk away. Don't give up. Trust God. I walked away and I lived off of borrowed faith in that moment. Because I couldn't see it. I didn't know how it was going to make sense. Over that course of that year, our church grew, our giving was stable, we, but it, it was contrary to everyone says, we got to have a marketing plan, you got to have a dope website, you got to have a perfect this and a perfect that. Well, that's all nice, but if God's not in it, then none of those things matter. And so in our case, we didn't have none of that stuff, and I talked to my pastor friends, they go, it makes no sense. Makes no sense. All I get is service times and a about page, but you got people coming to your church. How, how's your money not taking a 50% dip? People can't even find how to give, but they're giving. They're giving because it's a word from God that we stay faithful and true. We could have gone in a closet and said, woe is me all day, but what was going to happen? We couldn't control anything. I'm happy to say today that also God is a 
just God. Because one year later, the judge, because we, we had to go to a new company and build a website, we had to do it fast. So we had to pay a company double to build us a website in 90 days. And so what happened was, is the judge not only made them give us everything back that they took from us, they made us pay the other company. They made that company pay for the other company to build our website. So not only that, we had no dollars invested to not only get our money back, get our domains back, get our emails back, but they also had to pay the other guy to make us a website. That's the one you see today, because God is faithful. God is just. I don't have to take justice in my own hands all the time. Sometimes I can take some steps of justice and say, God, it's all in your hands. It's all in your hands, God. Sometimes you got to look at God's word and be inspired by other faith. You got to be inspired by their faith. Timothy Keller said it like this, and I love it. If you say, I believed in God, I trusted God, and he didn't come through, you only trusted God to meet your agenda. Just because it ain't the way that we planned it and saw it doesn't mean that God isn't in it. See, this last thought, this last point is this, is God then begins to supply us and encourage us to have faith for eternity. Faith for eternity. Faith for eternity looks like this in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 13. says all these people were still living by faith when they died. This is important because he's saying they didn't give up. They, they, didn't live in, they, didn't, they didn't live in faith in, you know, in their salvation years for two years and then walk away because it didn't come the way they had planned it. Moses had every intention to walk into the promised land, but he didn't. He had every intention for that. And so what happens is, is because God had a different plan. He, God knew, Moses, I want to take you to heaven because there's about to be some nasty battles fought in Israel over Canaan, and you're just too old for it. I want to bring you up to heaven right now so you can celebrate everything that you've done, everything that I've done in you, and let a new generation go fight those battles. He's like, Moses, why do you want to go in the promised land and fight those battles? Give that to the youngins. You, you led faithfully in your life, so why don't you come on home? That's what this is, is they live their faith out faithfully. Moses didn't have the energy to fight wars. He fought a little bit, but not the ones that would take when they stepped into Canaan. And so what happens is, is they live by faith until they died. They did not receive the things promised. So the promise was the total fulfillment of each of their promises. They didn't all see everything at the end of the line. And so it says, they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of a country they had left, they would have opportunity to return. And so instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. What does that mean? Why would God even be ashamed in the first place? Because what naturally someone would do is you would read the lives of these characters and say, but the promises they had, they never saw them to fulfillment. So is God really good? And then the scripture says, no, God's not ashamed that they didn't see the fullness of their promises because what happened was is their children's children saw the fulfillment of their promises. And then God took them and gave them a new heavenly city, one greater than the one that he called them. So God did fulfill his promise. He fulfilled his promise through their children. And then he fulfilled a promise by giving them a heavenly ambassadorship, a heavenly citizenship, a place that they could call home for eternity. And so therefore their faith was filled for eternity 
Something that was not just for a moment. And I wonder for ourselves is, would you begin to take steps of victory even though if you knew that your children and your children's children would not see the fullness of that victory? Would you do that? Would you do that? I talk to men a lot of times who have a lot of trouble from their fathers and fatherhood, and they just say, man, I just want to get over this. I want to have victory over this. And what I talk to them about is, well, we can work on victory for you, but would you begin to find healing so that your children don't precipitate the same issue? How about we get to a place where your children don't have to experience that? I'm sorry, that may be a battle you're fighting for a very long time, but you can reroute that for your children. You can teach your children what it means to have a healthy father. You can teach your children what it means to have a healthy mother. You can teach your children what it means to own a home. You may come from a generation of poverty, but it don't got to stay that way. You don't have to live in that. You don't have to stay in that area. You can begin to say, well, listen, I'm going to get a thousand square foot home so one day my children could get a 3,000 square foot home. And then maybe one day, because it's not about the material, but it is about the investment in the next generation. You and I are standing here today because there was a generation who decided to pay and put some walls around this building. You and I sit here today because there were members of Abundant Living Family Church in 2003 and 2004 that were like we should build a building in this place you and I don't ever have to pay the bills for the side of the wall someone paid those but what we do do is we get to remodel the carpet we remodel the carpet we can put some new chairs see another generation there are generations just a couple weeks ago we 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 had a homegoing ceremony with for one of our original members mother Mackey mother Mackey up until last year would sit in that chair every Sunday And she would always say, baby, I'm so proud of what we all built, what we all built and what we've all done. And she says, there's people that I see that respond to the altar that I know I had a part to play since 1994. And would you do something if it meant that another generation was going to reap that harvest? Would you do something if you broadened your perspective and said, God, I'm going to start taking steps towards healthiness. And God, I'd love for you to fix it overnight, but God, if there isn't that moment, I'm going to take those continued steps of healthiness, continued steps of deliverance so that my children and my children's children can see it. I sure love, my grandparents would always tell me my great-grandfather was embarrassed to be a, a, a mechanic for the sheriff's department in the 30s and 40s. My grandpa would tell me that uh, uh, he was always just really embarrassed by it. And so whenever he wasn't wearing his jumper and stuff like that, he would come home, take a shower, and he'd wear a suit everywhere that he went. He wasn't happy about his occupation. There's nothing wrong with it. I wish I could tell him there was nothing wrong with it. But he felt like there was something wrong. But I wonder if he knew that since him, all of his children have become entrepreneurs and they own their own businesses and they don't live the life that he lived and they don't have the jobs that he had. I wonder what would happen if we began to extend and say, I can broaden the circumstance if I'd be able to teach my children and my grandchildren something new. Maybe I'll see the fullness of something that's greater than ourselves and it starts right now. That's what the fathers of the faith showed us. Is you can take a stop. Abraham was old by the time he already said yes to God. He started making steps. to God didn't meet him at 15 and say, hey, follow me. Dude already had a family, had a village, had children, had crops. He was already a wealthy man. And God said, Abraham, leave it all. Leave your nice penthouse home. Leave all the things you got. Come follow me, and I'm going to take you to a new land to have a new generation. Don't matter what age we are, but we can start saying yes to God. 
and say, God, I'm brought into my faith with you because I'm going to live a faith-filled life in Jesus' name. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this word today, Lord. I pray that you encourage every person in this place. If there's anyone in here today and maybe you're struggling with faith and you're struggling with some things that you're believing God for that you don't know how it's going to happen, you don't see how it's going to happen, but you're here ready to trust God, I just want you to lift up your hands in the air so that I could pray for you. If you're trusting God for some things, if you have some faith in some areas that you're saying, God, I need you to do some things in these areas. Um, God, you've given me a word, but I need your hand to be on this. I need your DNA and your imprint. I just want you to lift your hand up. I just want to pray for you. Right now, God, with every hand that's lifted, whether in the courtyard, in the cafe, or in this room, Lord, right now I pray for every person's hands that's raised, Lord, that you begin to fill them with confidence, Lord, not confidence in themselves, not confidence in what they can accomplish or what they need to do to make this happen, but God, may you begin to give them favor and blessing like you did Mary, God. When the angel of the Lord said, Mary, you are surely blessed and highly favored, I pray, God, that every person in this room is blessed and highly favored, that everywhere that they go, the anointing of God goes with them, Father God. Every step that they take, the shadow of God is with them everywhere that they go, Father. Father God, I pray you begin to fill them with their purpose and fill them with their calling, Lord. If you've called them to it, God, we know that you can see them through it, Father God. So may they begin to trust you in greater depths of the water, Lord. May we go from a place where we're no longer snorkeling with you, God, but we begin to scuba dive with you. We go into deeper waters, deeper territory, God. We pray for deeper moments of deliverance in this church, Lord. Deeper moments of breakthrough in this church, Father God. We pray for testimonies of God's goodness in this place today. A man first service told me, Lord, that he was in poverty just four months ago, but God has given him a job and he's no longer in poverty. And he said it came at the same time he gave his life to Christ. God, I pray that you fill some people's faith up that as they choose you, they can begin to see you faithful in their life, Lord. And God, I pray we begin to expand our eyes to have faith for eternity, not just to have freedom in our life, but pass that freedom on, Lord to see our children and our children's children walk in healing and fullness and favor and deliverance. And Lord, we know that you can do this because if you are for us, then who be against us, Lord? So be with every person today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Hey, we're going to be here for just two more minutes. If, you, if you'd hang out with me for a second, this most important part of our service is what we call our altar call moment. It's where we give an opportunity for those who don't know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, an opportunity to respond yes uh, to Jesus Christ. So if you're here today, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, here's what it looks like. is every single day, people do die. It's the reality of our day. We know that people uh, pass away, and we, tomorrow's not promised for any of us. And so the Bible says that everybody will stand before God one day. Every man, every woman will stand before God. And you will hear two things from the Lord. One thing will be, well done, good and faithful servant. It's the person who said yes to Jesus, who believed in his message. And then the other person, he may say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. I don't say that to scare you. I say that to say that if you don't want to know Jesus here on earth, then you definitely don't want to know him in heaven. And the reality is God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. But if you're not in heaven, you have to go somewhere. And so the reality is today is God has given us an opportunity to see the fullness of heaven, to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, to say yes to the gospel, not because we live in fear of hell, it's because we live in love with God. God, I want to see you face to face. 
I want to worship you one day. I want to live in fullness of your glory. That's what a yes looks like today. Sometimes I talk to people out in the street. Maybe sometimes they visit in the church and they say, I'll have a conversation with God when I get up there. Well, there's no conversations being had in heaven like that. Those are being had here on earth. You can have those conversations all day here on earth. Where is he? Who is he? How do I know he exists? You could do that all here on earth right now. But in heaven, no more questions like that. No more questions like that. Only answers. Well done, good and faithful servant, or I never knew you. So it's my hope today that every person in this room would leave this place knowing with a surety that when you stand before Jesus one day, you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. How does that look like? What it does is it means that I repent of my sins. I turn away from my own ways. I turn away from my own shortcomings. I turn away from my own sins, and I respond to God's word. I respond to God's message for my life. I respond to God's purpose and God's calling, and it's first found in Jesus Christ the one who died on the cross for our sins and rose three days later in victory. And so today, when we say yes to those things, the Bible says that your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. It's a book that no one can ever change, no one can ever erase, no one can ever scratch out. A yes to Jesus means that you are secure for eternity in the hands of the Savior. And that ought to give you some joy for the rest of your life to know that one day I'll stand before God as friend, not foe as one who loves him and serves him, not one who's denied him. And so family, if you're here today, whether you're in the courtyard, uh, cafe, or in this room, would you repeat this prayer after me? Because there's gonna be some people that either say this for the first time or rededicate their life for the first time. And the prayer is not the thing that saves us by any means. What we're doing is we're affirming the work of the Holy Spirit right now, that the Spirit of God is already ministering to you and talking to you. This prayer basically acknowledges, say, God, I know you're doing a work in my life right now. So family, would you join me in saying this right now? Dear Lord Jesus, Jesus, in this moment, I confess my sins. I believe in my heart that you died on the cross and you rose three days later. From this day forward, I make you my Lord and my Savior. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. We really hope you enjoyed the message. And if you said yes to Jesus, we just want to say congratulations and give you a free devotional to help you walk out your faith. Click the link in the description or head over to grow.faith to download your devotional. Oh, and be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening to ALSC Podcast, and we hope you tune in again. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.